No, that's a great idea, though. I think, wow, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. We have ignition. Hey, thanks everybody for joining us on All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, our podcast for product managers, product marketers, entrepreneurs, and innovators of all stripes. We are here to help you create better products and more successful product companies. And when I say we, I'm talking about me, Nels Davis, and my colleague, Rob McCourty. Hey there, everyone. Just also want to say a quick thanks to our new sponsor, Product School. It's a place where you can learn the skills to help you land a job in product management or improve your performance in a related role, all through a flexible night and weekend course taught by experienced and knowledgeable product managers. Check them out at productschool.com. So, Rob, you recently presented a pretty cool thing uh, that you have created for doing product management during a session, I guess, at the Product School in March. Um, I think it sounds like a really useful tool that product managers can take advantage of. And I'd love you to share it on the podcast today. I think you call it the feature canvas. And I'm sure some of you listening are already starting to have a picture in your head of what that might look like, simply based on the name. Um, you have a story of how you came to create the tool, Rob. And I know that uh, we're also going to make the tool available for download in the show notes. So that'll be a nice little bonus. So, Rob, can you sort of go through the story on what problems you were facing that drove you to search for and then create a solution in the form of the feature canvas? Yeah, absolutely. When you talk about owning a product or running a product, I feel like there are two basic things that you produce within the context of of the development of the product. There's minor features and fixes, small things, and then there's major features, large Uh, chunks of the product that need to be redone or rebuilt or launched for the first time. And fundamentally, those two are very different because the small features and fixes need to go quickly. They need very minimal communication. And at most cases, you're trying to minimize the number of people you, you interact with and the amount of work that needs to get done between, you know, the point where you realize you have to do it and the point where it gets done. Major features, by by comparison, are almost the opposite. You need to bring in the entire team. The sales team needs to know about it. The marketing team needs to have really far advanced notice about it. The engineering team needs to understand a broad, large scope. And you probably have to bring in a few stakeholders that are willing to buy off on this sort of large chunk of investment. And they bring totally different problems. With the large features you end up having this problem of communicating something that makes sense to multiple different groups. And it's sort of at the core of being a product manager is you sit between designers, marketing, sales, engineering, and executive, and you're responsible for shining a light on something in a perspective that makes sense to that particular stakeholder or department. I get really tired of trying to rewrite a spec or draft an overview for the marketing team and then do another one for the sales team and then have another presentation that talks about it to the executive team. And especially after all that's done, you still have to communicate it to the engineering team and they couldn't care less about the way that you're presenting it to the marketing team. That being said, there's also a part of this process that is involved in uh, in planning and making sure that you're taking into account 
the needs of all those other departments as well. So I tried to identify different uh, tools that were currently available that might solve all these problems. So I went through the business model canvas. I went through the product canvas. I went through um, you know, design thinking, a bunch of different um, both tools and methodologies. And at the end of the day, uh, just found that nothing really fit. So, you know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm sure that you're going through a lot more major features than minor features, uh, especially in your role and the company and target customers you have. So are you finding the same kind of difficulty? First of all, I, I just love the fact that you sort of have gone, gone ahead and sort of said there's the small things and the big things, and you have to deal with them differently. And I think my feeling is we all sort of intuitively know that and sort of act differently about them, but I'm not sure that that really is talked about too much, right? about the you know the little things you can just you know you can tell somebody about and they can go fix it or they can go implement it versus the big things that require uh you know architecture design as you say buy-in from the other uh stakeholders customer review all those things so that first of all i just love that you have uh, you know sort of explicitly made that subdivision i think um, you know, we've all tried to solve this problem in different ways. I think as product managers, and I have, uh, as you know, I have a template that I have started to try to use that I call the valuable template. Um, and I've forced a, an acronym in for valuable, which I don't think is, it's not terrible, but it it's maybe a little more forced, I think, than what you're talking about. And, and I suspect that um, as we get into the the components of the feature canvas that you're going to tell us about in a little bit, that you actually cover more of the picture than than my template does. So I'm really looking forward to that part. So when you looked at the tools that were out there, what did you find in, ter- in terms of how they addressed this issue that you were seeing? Yeah, so th- it's a good question. And the way that I define these two different uh, aspects, for better or worse, the large features, the major features, the big chunks of work require that you are uh, communicating across teams at roughly the same time, which is sort of critical. And it's probably the size of feature that will eventually iterate in its own sort of subdivision roadmap, right? You, everybody knows there are those big ideas and the big parts of a product that you release, and they almost run on their own roadmap. There will be iteration five or six or seven of this one feature because it's so big. And as soon as you have something like that, the conceptual uh, framework is much larger than a single spec document. And so that's really where I got frustrated because I'm sitting here and looking at a normal backlog or a normal, yeah, basically a normal backlog. And there's no way to identify besides the sizing what was really major and how it should play out across time. So that's where I started. I started with a regular backlog and it just wasn't even close to sufficient. So then I tried to identify um, a way to communicate these large features on a linear roadmap. And there's a bunch of tools. There's We'll look at a, at a number of them and, and try to pull them into the show notes. But So that didn't work. And then eventually I went through uh, the business model canvas, the product canvas. Uh, I tried playing with the Amazon press release model. I tried uh, utilizing KPI documents, uh, general projections, like this is what it should look like, uh, spec overviews, or even the, the detailed specs themselves. And none of them were really effective for a number of different reasons. But what I liked about it, uh, about going through all those different processes, was that there are pieces of each of those that make really, really 
good sense. So for example, the Amazon press release, that is going to be a guiding light for the marketing team to understand what the value proposition should look like to the customer. There's going to be spec overview that talks about general functions within the product and potentially some architecture hinting, right? You never want to define what the architecture should be, but if it involves third parties or if it involves a specific type of function, you, you want to mention that. And then the business model canvas and the product canvases were really effective in, in geographically co-locating. We'll deal with that if that doesn't make sense. Uh, different concepts that needed to be addressed together or uh, have impact on each other. So on a single sheet, putting things next to each other, sharing a border that are important to consider in tandem. So you, you went through a bunch of tools and I I think at one point you were actually trying to use a bunch of things all in conjunction and you ended up then on a single sheet. So maybe you can describe for us uh, what you put on that sheet and how you chose the, the, the things that are on there. And then maybe you, you can walk us through the boxes. Sure. So, so I created in just Google draw uh, a template that has nine boxes, sorry, 11 boxes. It's got a wide variety of things. And the goal is to give uh, a little bit of something to each department that needs it all at the same time and provide that single location where you think about the big picture altogether. Because if you're not looking at each of these perspectives at the same time, you're going to shortchange someone and you don't want that to be the customer, but at the same time, you don't want that to be marketing or sales because they have to tell the customer. Uh, So for those of you who want to take a look at it while you're listening, it's bit.ly slash product canvas, all in word. So effectively what you see here is you see a big document and it's got sort of sticky note format, but there's the 11 boxes They're all slightly different shaped, um, but just going across the top rows and then heading down, there's a feature name box because for some reason that ends up being contentious. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case across all organizations, but whenever an engineer names a feature, marketing doesn't like it. Marketing names it. Engineering doesn't like it. So I try to hash that out here. Then the two other boxes on the top are the external market goals and key metric impacts. And those are at the top to make sure that everyone's really clear what we're going for. Are we trying to have an impact on a particular uh, key metric within the company? And is there an external goal? Is there new visibility? Is there um, you know, dominance of some kind that can be achieved with this feature? Down below that, from left to right, you have target personas. You have a massive box in the middle called the big picture. You have feature details or iterations, and then you have customer requests. Down at the bottom row, you have problems, solution, limitations, competitors, and burdens. That's all in one box. And a little corner that says new visibility. The broad purpose here is to make sure that you're bringing in an indication of who you're going after, what the purpose is both for uh, those outside the company and those inside the company, tying in any specific customers that have already requested something like this, the details of the feature itself, or an indication of how you're going to break up this really big thing into multiple iterations. And then related to the target personas in the big picture, you have a corner that just talks about the problems that people are currently facing. And that's a normal process, but sitting it next to the target personas in the big picture just 
mentally reminds you to think through both of those as you're talking about the problem, right? It has to be a problem for these customers. Right, right. I see. I see why you and they and it's sort of. I'm looking at the canvas now, and it the the target personas box and the big picture box both touch the problems box to sort of and so so adjacency is is actually important in this. Correct. Yeah, I tried to overlap a border with any two boxes that needed to be considered together, and then I color coded things that might be important to particular groups. So. Uh, Green is for executive views. Purple is sort of uh, a customer success, customer support, and engineering view. Red are things to either fix or work on. And then blue is kind of a broad, everyone should know this. Okay. Um, I, I have a specific question about the, the box, the lower right box, the new visibility box, which I think is, I, I, I suspect there's something interesting behind that. So the new visibility is particular to a growing company because in many cases, a particular feature will give you a category entrant. If you're in project management and you provide the ability to uh, automate some aspect of the project, in many cases, currently, the, the hot thing is uh, marketing technology. So you could be planning out a big launch of something. And if you allow for a function within that that product to launch an email campaign or launch a press release or launch a Google AdWords campaign or even monitor it. Now you enter into the category of marketing technology, which gives you new visibility to an entirely different audience. So in some sense, it, it captures some potential new segment that might be, or, or that's one use of that, I, I guess, right? There's a, there's a, exactly. there's a new segment or there's a new type of customer in my current segment or something like that, that this feature might enable us to talk to or get visibility to. Right. It also might just be that you make the product interesting to a particular type of coverage that gets you back to your same target market. But it's, you know, if you suddenly have uh, a podcasting perspective or a feature that enables podcasting to uh, be generated or, or, uh, combined together more effectively for some user base, you may now allow uh, podcasters to talk about you, which means even though you're still targeting the same demographic, which are theoretically listening to the podcast, you give a little bit of fodder for the podcasters to mention you. So that one's that one's a sort of interesting one. It's again in the bottom right because it was a late edition, but it's uh, it's typically pretty important to marketing and executive. Because they they care about where they're going with that. Well, it, it ties into something I think we've talked about before, which is that there's this sort of five ways of making more money with your product, and one of them is finding is getting a new segment. Right. Exactly. And so it ties into that, um, and you know, or a new channel, right? Um, and so those those sort of feel like they go in there. Can you talk a little bit about the the limitations, competitors, and burdens box, and and what you envision there and how you want people to read that? Absolutely. That's sitting uh, right next to solution and right under the feature details iterations, as well as a little overlap with the big picture box. So it was put there on purpose because as you're designing the solution, as well as the details and the way that you're going to iterate through potentially multi-stage release of a feature, you need to understand 
the technical limitations that you're going to have to overcome, competitors that may be in the space, or you may enter into their space, as well as uh, legacy burdens that you're going to have to overcome or suddenly deal with as you move through this solution. And it's really important to keep in mind as you're going through those two pieces specifically, because if you say, I'm going to, um, you know, categorize a bunch of information and provide it to the user, no problem, right? If you don't already know where data is coming from, if you don't know the context of it, your limitation will be bringing in the data, cleaning it up and understanding it, not necessarily the display of it. So having that there and understanding what limitations you're working with as you describe the solution avoids the pie in the sky, don't worry, engineering will figure it out. And it also keeps you pretty grounded as you're discussing who you're going to be taking on head to head or what previous customers or previous use cases you're going to have to continue supporting. So as many companies grow, they end up uh, sort of changing market focus or they change feature sets and try to change pricing and plans. But it's not always feasible to release a new plan or a new feature set uh, that gets totally segregated from older users. And that means that whatever new function you're bringing out, it's going to have to uh, carry the burden of the other customers and their previous expectations. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so the way you've laid this out, it's uh, you, you've got these boxes with little pretty post-it notes in the middle. Do you, uh, I would guess that you may run out of room in these boxes. Yes and no. In most cases, you don't run out of room because you can obviously make one individual sticky note as many, uh, whatever size you want. And then you can change the text size within that to be pretty small. I have definitely done that before. The The goal here, though, is to get directly to the point. So you don't necessarily have to add a new sticky note for every new concept. But for the most part, something that's totally new or distinct from the last thought you had in the same category should be a new note. And that helps you uh, narrow down what you're going for. So the big picture has a lot of space because it's a big picture. But if you're looking at key metric impact, there's really only space for three, maybe four. Okay. Same thing with uh, target personas. You can add maybe five. Most companies don't even have more than five target personas, but some get a little crazy with that. And if that's the case, they should be narrowing down to focus on a few of them. Same thing with the, uh, the problems. You don't want to solve everything all at once. And specifically, the limitations, competitors, and burdens are all in one fairly small box. Because if you start hitting capacity on that box, you're probably facing failure right in the face. Oh, interesting. That's it. So the boxes in some ways uh, are proportional to the how much impact they have uh, or, or if they were to be filled, how, how big the impact would be. Right. Um, so do, now, so the, do you also back this up with some with specs or requirements or something as well. I mean, so, so this is one, one page and it's the over, the quick overview that everybody can look at and, and, uh, agree to and nod their heads to what's the process for, uh, you know, getting it filled in and agreed to. And then what's the, what other stuff has to happen as well to actually get the product or get, sorry, get the feature, uh, done. What other documentation do you typically uh, need? Yep. 
So what this document ends up being in most cases is the place where you pull together all of those uh, random bits of data or intuitions or um, thoughts that you had about what should be next or how to really advance the product because they're always bouncing around in your head. And at some point, you're probably close to having a discussion about it, but you're going to be unprepared unless you sit down and think through a lot of things. This is only one way to do it. Uh, I won't I won't absolutely say that this is the best way by far. This is this is just a, a hack together option. But what I typically do is I'll sit down, I'll likely fill in a few items from the problems, target personas, and potentially solutions. But most likely, I'm going to target the personas, identify some problems, and then I'm going at a big picture. Because as you're drafting a big picture, it's like the Amazon press release, where you should be looking at an end state position. You should be describing how that's going to be in as much detail as possible from a consumer facing point of view. And if you can nail that, or at least get a first draft that feels complete, then you can start going around the rest of the boxes that are related because you'll go identify the target personas, make sure that they're complete, that you're not missing anybody, or that you haven't targeted too many. You'll probably have a feature name in mind, so you can add a couple of those. The external market goals are directly related to what you'd issue in a press release as well as the key metrics, uh, both for the customers and for internally, uh, you should have an idea of that pretty early on. Then as you run through the problems again, you hit the solution and you should have a pretty robust way to describe how this is going to solve a problem by now, because you've already gone through the big picture. As you're doing the solution, you're most likely going to see the limitations, you're going to identify the competitors and become aware of the burdens at that point as you're moving up uh, above it into a feature details or iterations plan. Then from that point on, once you're done with all those, you know the solution, you know the problems, the target personas, and the specific details, it's pretty easy to go back to whatever system or record you have and pull out some specific customer requests that may relate to this. And that's just to make sure that you always leave a seat for the customer. And especially if you have people that have already requested this, you can go and immediately reach out to them and say, is this what you're thinking about? Are you excited about this, et cetera? And then the last piece is the new visibility. So unless that becomes a really critical thing for a new feature, the new visibility should be there as sort of a checkbox. Yes or no, are we adding new visibility? Is this important? So then once you do that, you go back and, and revise the big picture to make sure that you really are being accurate with the rest of the pieces of the puzzle. I see. And are you collaborating with, with different people as you fill these boxes in? I'm not personally most of the time. Uh, this is designed to be sort of the guiding light for potentially multiple engineering iterations and to give advance warning to the marketing team and the sales team about what's coming out and try to put it in a perspective that they can understand. So I will get feedback throughout the process of releasing this to the rest of the group. But most of the time, this has already been fleshed out from whatever data we already have. So I'll be collaborating with the other product folks or with a few of the lead engineers to make sure I'm understanding the limitations, uh, potentially with the executive team to make sure we're focusing on the right metrics. But not typically circulating this as a rough draft, just because there's too much to debate. So in some, in some sense, this is the end of the input funnel, so to speak. Um, you've done it. You've, you've learned a lot about the market. You know the product. You, you hear what people see and what they need and things like that. You then develop 
this feature canvas as the thing that says, here's what I think we should do next. Right. And so this is, this is designed mostly to be your own internal check as you, the product manager, put your foot down and says, I really believe that we should do this thing. Okay. And it makes sure that you've got every, you've covered all the, all the different dimensions that you need to, and you have, you have a story for the whole thing. Yep. And what this will typically do is sit inside of a roadmap. So whatever format your roadmap has, there's probably a way to enter a link or an actual document attachment to some, you know, part of your roadmap uh, apparatus. And this typically will sit inside there before specs get written. For us, this also ends up sitting at the top as a link to the spec document that starts off or the multiple iterations. So there's always that reminder, like, this is what we're going for. This is the big picture. Make sure that our specs uh, relate to it. And then this also becomes, in our case, the basis for uh, educating marketing and sales on what the feature is, what it's for, how to describe it. And so you can get actually a lot of web content off of here. You can get a lot of marketing content off of here because they know who they're targeting. They know how they should be phrasing it. They know who they should be either attacking as insufficient in the market, you know, like a competitor, or avoiding so that we don't start a fight. And then being able to describe the problems in a way that grabs the attention of the potential customer. So there's a lot in here that's really not designed just for the product team or the engineering team, but is designed for the rest of the organization that needs to understand what's going on. Right. That's beautiful. So how is the... Um... How has this feature canvas gone over in your in your experience with your, within your own company? So I'll say that this is even here today because it was sort of adopted and um, appreciated by the marketing team, first and foremost, because we were having a hard time, as I'm sure many organizations do, communicating effectively in advance about big picture, right? If If the marketing team sees something on a release note, it's way too late. And it's probably in a format that doesn't make any sense. So I try to give them this. And I think that was probably just, uh, you know, a life raft in the middle of the ocean that they appreciated it that much. Not that it's that amazing, but it becomes a good central place to, uh, to collaborate between a couple of those key groups. So it, it went over well from a grassroots perspective, like the people who in our organization had to write marketing copy who had to, you know, update a landing page or change some email content really loved this because otherwise they're waiting for someone else above to explain what's going on. And here they can go straight to the source that's hopefully ubiquitous across the organization to see what everyone else sees and make their own conclusions and, and understand it in their own way, as opposed to waiting for three or four filters. So that was a real benefit. I won't say there's a massive amount of executive buy-in or, or anybody really pushed it uh, hard. But I've heard from other folks after the, uh, after the product school presentation, as well as before that, I mentioned it to a few people and there have been wide ranges of adoption. Some people have used it as like a thought exercise before they embark in a new quarter roadmap planning and others have used it as like their hallmark for what they're even talking about day to day. Right. Uh, oh, oh uh, have you shared it with customers? No. That's a great idea, though. I think, wow, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. I really do think that if we get any better at customer research or uh, some sort of thought group or you know a customer uh, advocacy group, we should definitely be doing that. 
Yeah, I would think that you know if you have a customer request, going to one of those customers and saying this is what we're thinking about doing in response to your requests and other similar requests might be you might get some really interesting feedback. Yeah, I'll say there's probably some uh, a percentage of companies out there that would be uh, less than excited about talking about their key metric impact or uh, their visibility or some of the iterations or limitations. So there's some pieces of this that mm, some people may not be comfortable with unless they're a fairly transparent organization. But otherwise, I think there's there's a significant portion of this that makes sense to be putting in front of customers as soon as you can. The, the, more, the more good ways you have to talk to customers, if they're very structured ways, it can be very useful. I, I think this is a really neat uh, thing you've developed here, Rob, and I, I, I'm going to try it. I'm going to... I'm going to uh, put some features onto this, uh, onto a feature canvas for, for some of the things that I'm working on right now and see how it goes. Uh, I, th- I'm, I think that'll be great. Yeah. And that actually leads us into, I think, the three takeaways, which we're going to cheat a little bit this time. Uh, the three basic takeaways are to go look at the slide deck, give this a try, actually download or you know make a copy of the feature canvas and, and give it a try. And then more importantly for us is once you have give us some feedback did we accurately represent it is it useful are there tweaks um this is definitely a work in progress and you know totally free and available for anybody that wants to use it and i'm happy to see modifications and changes as as they make sense for other people yeah and we're certainly happy or rob is happy to answer questions about how to make use of it and of course to get feedback on things you think might it could maybe do better well, great. This is really, really good, Rob. I'm really happy that you uh, created this thing and, and wanted to share it with the world. I think it's a pretty powerful capability that you've developed. And I hope some listeners take it, try to try it out and give us some feedback on it. That'd be pretty great. And thanks for uh, telling us about it in this episode of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. Uh, don't forget to subscribe if you're listening to the podcast feed at alltheresponsibility.com slash iTunes. If you like the podcast, please rate us on iTunes. That's a very big help. And until the next episode, that's it for me and... That's it from Rob. Bye-bye. Fire. Four, three, two, one. We have ignition. Liftoff.